0: Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. If you got your Bibles with you today, whether it's electronic or whatever, I read from the New King James just because it's actually something I can read. And um, I was going to read the whole chapter. Uh, Let's see. So do we have guys getting ready to do this? This you, Fitz, Pastor Craig Broker. Um, some of you probably heard him this weekend speak, but um, he was, Pastor Craig was actually my pastor, right? And so when we first came into Victory Churches, we had a little church in a town called High River, and, and we had brought this church in. We had planted it and had it growing, and it, and it became part of Victory. And, uh, and Dr. George Hill said, you know what, we don't know you guys. You, we want you to be a part of what we're doing, But what we want you to do is take your whole congregation into Southside Victory Church on Sunday mornings and support Pastor Craig and then have evening services. And so that's what we did. So Pastor Craig, broker, became my pastor. And so I tell people, I say, yeah, Pastor Craig's my pastor. And whenever we're in Calgary, we go to Southside Victory Church as our home church. And um, and so he'll get me up and introduce me always because his crowd grows like crazy and people don't know who I am. And I'll say, yeah, Pastor Craig's my pastor, and he'll always say, yeah, I don't know why you say that, because you never do anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> you just never do what I tell you to do. Like I say, well, I'm a rebellious child. What can I say? But it's, it's great being a part of an organization like this, and as Pastor Matt said, it was, it was that church that I actually went back to. It no longer exists. The pastor felt that nobody could pastor it but him, and when it started to fail, he just shut the doors which was a heartbreak. Um, my first one in, in ministry, probably. But anyway, um, not the last by any stretch of the imagination. Bless God, this one is, has been a pleasure and a pride for me to be able to see what you guys are doing with it. And so, but um, yeah, my wife and I showed up, you know, and, and of course, most of the congregation knew us. It hadn't grown since we turned it over. And, and we sat down and, and, and he God. got up and he said, oh, Ah, I see Morrison and Lucinda are here. They used to go to the church. And you could just hear this. The air gets sucked out of the room, you know. <laughs> because everybody that was there was planted there and brought there by us. And, um, and it was just an incredibly disrespectful thing to say. Uh, I'd have preferred he didn't say anything. You know, and, and just come up to us at the end of service and say, Hey, good to see you guys. But, um, but that's what that's what insecurity does. And the fact is that we need to get past insecurity to where we begin to move and function and flow in what God has called us to function and flow in. That we operate and function as men and not something that just hides in the shadows, you know? Like what, what has gone wrong with our society? That somebody would think that is right. And I didn't come here to preach about this today, but, but it, it, it tells me something. It tells me that we have lost our way It tells me that we've gotten so messed up in our thinking, and that's really what this scripture is about, is about this foolish concept that that society puts on us that says, wait a second, you're not who the Bible says you are. You're not who God says you are. You're something other than that. You know, Dr. Ed Cole said this. He said, three things limit every man. The knowledge of his mind, the strength of his character, and the principles upon which he is building his life. Wow, the knowledge of his mind, the strength of his character, the principles on which he is building his life. And a man never really knows who he is until he sorts out three things. You got to sort out three things before you actually know who you are. And I think Dr. Cole is hitting it on the head, you know. We will never have an understanding of, of our true nature until we come to grip with these things. We won't even understand who we are as men. Society is trying to tell us one thing. They want to take away our guns. Next thing, they'll be taking away our fishing rods, Jared, Because they could be used in a crime somewhere. You know, the hooks are dangerous. Those hooks, you know. You, I mean, you could, you, could, you could hijack an airplane with that. That hook, you know. It's like, they just get so foolish. They get so foolish. You know, I, I knew a guy... There's a biker, hardcore biker, belonged to one of the clubs out of the southern states, and um, he was very close to me. But um, and I can't tell you how. But anyway, <laughs> his whole life was spent smuggling illegal drug or er, illegal guns from the U.S. into Canada. He was a Canadian that relocated down there with the Carnies years ago, and and began smuggling guns across the border because he knew all of the border spots to cross in southern Alberta and Saskatchewan that there was no guards at, and, and, and flooded our streets. But, of course, our, our government thinks that they should take Garth's guns away from him because Garth's a really dangerous guy. I'm, You know, it's like, come on, he had to get a police check to have the job he has, for crying out loud. If he's not safe with his guns, who is? And so, so the fact is that they're trying to say that we're one thing when we're really not that thing. But sometimes as men, we say things that, that we didn't actually mean what we said. We don't always communicate the best, you know, and, and we hear things, you know, uh, but not how they were said. We hear what we want to hear, right? You know, like, like when your mom told you not to touch the hot stove and you did anyway <laughs> because you just didn't believe that it was hot until you touched it. That's, that's how men are. You know, I, I used to use this... Um, Teaching for for marriages, right? And uh, and there was a guy. He's out of the states. He has a, a television program, radio broadcast, whatever. Big church a guy named Jimmy Evans, and he had something called Solid on the Rock um, Ministry Marriage, Solid on the Rock Marriage Ministries. And uh, and he said one time, he said he said um, he said I had to come to the conclusion that that God created sex so men would remember to go home. You know. <laughs> You know, he said, otherwise you get out sitting around the campfire hunting deer and everybody's like, yeah, they're talking and they're having a beer, you know, and they're laughing and telling jokes. And finally, one of the guys goes, I'm forgetting something. I'm forgetting something, you know. and Oh, wait a second, I know what it is. See you guys, you know. And so we just would forget to go home, I think. Sometimes we want to be judged by our intentions rather than our actions. We want people to see things in us that may not even be there. But we've just kind of got this in our head that we're somebody and maybe we're not that person. And Ephesians speaks here, Ephesians 4 speaks of two men. Two men. Well, actually, these two men actually happen to be the same man. Right? They're actually the same guy. He's talking about the old man and the new man. But the fact is they're the same man. Oftentimes, there's as much, maybe even more of the old man still dwelling in us than there is of the new man. And I don't know, maybe one of these days we'll get tired of carrying that old corpse around on our back and, and, and finally leave him in the grave where Jesus wants to put him in the first place, amen? And so we end up with this guy on our back and he's telling us one thing in one ear and society's telling us another thing in another ear. We're just getting messed up with it. So Dr. Cole points out three things that will determine who we are. The first is the knowledge of our mind. You see, we'll never really truly know who we are until we feed ourselves the truth of God's word. We're just not going to know who we are. We're going to not even know who God expects us to be until we decide who we are from God's word. And we can look in here and we can find who we are. And I'm not saying... Imitate or mimic some of the characters here, but the apostle Paul did say in what 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I also imitate him. He's the one who wrote this passage of scripture. He's the one that brings this whole idea forth that, that there has to be a transformation in the knowledge that we feed ourselves if the new man is ever going to leave the old man behind. It has to change how we think about who we are. You know, we can run a game on ourselves and pretend to be someone that we are not, or we can face up to who we really are. We're sinful fallen beings that are saved by grace. And unless some of that old knowledge is still rolling around in there. You know, when we get born again, when you say yes to Jesus, he doesn't erase your brain. You still remember who you are. You still remember what you did. But the reality is you may have did everything that they said you did, but you don't have to be who they say you are. Right? I mean, I, I can tell you that I did everything everybody knows and more. But I'm not who I was. I'm not that guy anymore. To pretend, I, I look at old pictures of myself and I go, who is that guy? I mean, he's, he's half of his present self in more ways than one. <laughs> See, we we have an operating system. <laughs> oh, that one had to go all the way to the back wall before it made its way forward, right? It's like, whoa, wait a second, I get it. <laughs> See, what did I tell you? We just don't always pick up on what's said, right? <laughs> We're just being men here. So, oh man. Who gets this insane at seven o'clock on Sunday morning? Only College Street Victory Church. Bless God. Uh. <laughs> I hear hear the worship team saying, the sound guy saying, "Yeah, we're only running at half sound because it's not quite 7 o'clock yet, you know. Most pastors are just going to go, oh, is it Sunday again? Yeah, I wonder what I'm going to preach today, you know. Maybe I'll just preach the same thing I did last week. Nobody was listening anyway, you know. Come on, we got to get it together in the knowledge of our mind, amen. And so Ephesians 4.17 says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. See, that old thinking is, is futility. It's just futile. It means nothing. It's going nowhere. It's never going to be any different a thousand years from now, should Jesus tarry, than it was a thousand years ago because it's futility. It's always just going to feed that soulish realm in us that is dark and fallen. It's never going to do anything other than that, and it's going to tell us such foolish things as the fact that we can cut the genitals off our little boys and make them into little girls, or that, or that we can put a, a litter box in the bathroom of a school because there's a, a child identifying as a cat. Come on, what kind of stupidity and insanity is that type of thinking? It's futility. It's futility. It means nothing and goes nowhere. He says that their understanding is darkened because they are alienated from God. They're alienated from God. They don't, they don't believe in God. They, they don't believe God exists. They, they believe all of this happened from a, some kind of explosion and freak of, of the cosmos. Well, what, what could be more foolish? What could be more foolish? I got news for you. You plant about 12 pounds of C4 under this building and set it off, it's not going to build you a new church. Right? It, 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 might, it might clear the site of the old one so you can build a new one, but all those fragments are not going to come back together and form a new church, right? I, was, I, read, I read one time this guy said that, that if you could take an infinite amount of monkeys and put them in a room with an infinite amount of computers that they would eventually write all the works of Shakespeare. Will you talk about futile thinking? Monkeys have been monkeys have been monkeys since the foundation of the earth. And to my knowledge, not one of them has written a children's poem, let alone the works of Shakespeare. Amen? This is futile thinking, and we cannot allow it to pollute us. Because they love to use words like, well, you have to be inclusive. You need to be tolerant. I can tell you that there's been no more inclusive and tolerant group of people on the planet since the foundation of earth than the Christian church. It is the hope of mankind. But they love to point their fingers. Now we're haters. We're haters. You hater. You dirty, rotten haters. They don't know why because their mind is clouded, it's, it's futile, they're alienated from God. So if we're ever gonna make a transformational change in our life and the lives of the people around us, we must make it in our mind first. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12:1 and 2, that we'd be, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That when we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that changes how this thing works. It rewrites it, but it writes over the old, and so sometimes we want to keep falling back into this. And then, of course, there's the strength of our character. You know, our character is formed by our core values. And where our core values come from will determine the strength of our character. Where are we drawing those core values from? Where are they coming from? Who, who are we becoming based on the core values that we adhere to this is the question we have to ask ourselves and, and our society is trying to tell us that it is laying down a whole new set of core values and because we are too old and too stupid and too ingrained and too misogynistic and too bigoted and too prejudiced and everything that they have to take our children and indoctrinate it into them well i got news for them There's going to be a revolution of those children one day. There's going to be a revolution of them. The the Christian ones are going to rise up, but so are the other ones. Some little boy is going to stand up in class and say, Teacher, stick it in your hat. Nobody's cutting my goods off today. Right? I kind of value those guys. And that's going to happen. And little girls are going to say, Wait, 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 wait a second. What are you talking about? I got an 11-year-old granddaughter, goes to a Catholic school, and of course, it's been slower filtering into the Catholic school system, but it's there, this whole thing. And she sits down at the table the other day, and she says, Grandpa, this gender ideology thing is just out to lunch. It's like, this is an 11-year-old girl who is possibly one of the roughest, toughest tomboys I have ever seen, but she loves being a girl. And this whole idea that she shouldn't be a girl because she's rough and tumble. This kid said something to her the other day. She said, Grandpa, I just about punched him in the mouth. I said, well, what held you back, honey? He said, oh, yeah. So, totally. The fact of the matter is, you know, I just get so fed up with that futile thinking. Ephesians 4, 20 through 21 says, but you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. Jesus isn't the one putting this foolish thoughts into our head. Jesus isn't the one that's got our mind messed up. It says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. We need to grab hold of that because he is not backing up any of that foolishness that's going on out there. You know he was known as subversive he said he didn't come to bring peace he brought a sword jesus came to the dance with a sword right he didn't come to do the two-step with all of the weirdos out there he came to bring a sword to separate the foolishness of their minds and the the bad character from them so that he could transform them into something that was productive and fruitful and meaningful understand that's what god wants from us today he doesn't want us to be all caught up in all of that stuff you know paul even wrote to timothy saying no, no good soldier embroils himself in the politics of his day what is he saying that we shouldn't pay attention to politics no was he saying we shouldn't be involved in politics? No, he was saying don't get caught up in the stupid political mindset. Don't get trapped by that futile thinking. You have to maintain the truth of God's word if you're ever going to be effective. So there's only two sources available for the development of our character. It's only two sources. Number one, of course, A is the futility of the Gentile's mind that is a product of the fallen nature of mankind. That's one source that you can feed yourself with. That's the source they want us to feed ourselves with. The second one, B, is the spiritual resources of God that are demonstrated through the life of Jesus Christ. That is the other source. We have to make a choice. Getting born again is our first step in that choice. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit is another step in that choice. Being baptized in water is another step in that choice. Allowing ourselves to be counseled and delivered if necessary is another choice. But each and every step of this helps us to move further away from the futility of fallen mankind to the truth of Jesus Christ. This is the difference between us. Some people say, well, it doesn't make us any better. Well, in many ways, it does. In many ways, it does. It does. Because we are leaving behind that immorality and futility and moving towards truth and becoming reconciled with God who created us, knit us together in our mother's wombs. So there's a seed of a male mixed with the eggs of a female and there was a, a magical infusion of life that created us. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that all came from a big bang. Sure, a single-cell organism crawled up on a rock. Not sure where the rock came from. Um, not not sure where the goo came from. I'm not even sure where the single-cell organism came from because everything got blown to bits. But anyway, all of that aside, I mean, why why cloud this good story with with facts and science? You know, Oh, wait a second, yeah, and it got up on a rock and the sun hit it. Where'd the sun come from? My goodness, what's going on here? But anyway, then your grandpa was swinging in a tree. It takes far more faith to believe that than it does to believe that there was a, a desire and God created and he said, let there be a light. Oh, somebody said, How did all this come to be? Well, just read Genesis. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. He did it. So both of these begin with with a a birth process. We are born into this world under the cloud of the fallen nature and develop our character through the vain philosophies of man. Doesn't matter how good our parents were. They stuck in us some of the vain philosophies of man. I had good parents. My parents were good people. I don't know why I became such a jerk, but I did. I had every chance to not be that way. But there were still some vain philosophies that got stuck in there, right? I mean, my mom could color the air blue if she got angry enough, and that didn't take her long to do that. <laughs> it was like, wait a second, you know? But in order to transform our character to that of Christ, we must be born again and adopted into the family of God. This is the first step to making that transformation. This does not guarantee character change, but it does make character change possible. That's the thing. We automatically think, oh, that guy got born again. How come he's acting that way? Well, he's acting that way because there's two guys there. There's that old man that he's carrying around, and there's that new man that's trying to push his way forward. And he hasn't figured that out yet. And he needs to get that figured out if he's going to be successful in the walk of the new man to where we have to look in the mirror and say, old man, get gone. Old man, get out of here. Leave those old bones in the grave. Let the new man emerge. This is what we have to do. Otherwise, we're just going to constantly be running into things. You know, one of my friends, he says, he says, follow an ugly kid home you're probably going to find two ugly parents on the other side of the door. (laughs) You say, that's a weird saying. Think about it for a minute. In life, you inherit a lot of things from your folks. Follow a kid with bad character home, you might just find two parents with bad character, right? Understand, if we are the prime source of input into our children, then what we input into them is incredibly important. My daughter got on me the other day, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't even tell you this, but anyway. <laughs> after, after, she was, after, she was, after she was done laughing, of course, my, my 13-year-old granddaughter was talking about how wide her new teacher is this year. And, um, and she said, she was walking in front of me. And I said... I said, you couldn't get past the backyard or something like that, you know? Well, of course, they just it sent them all into hysterics. Then my daughter's like, you shouldn't be saying that thing to her because she might just go to the school and say to the teacher, what a backyard you got, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I guess maybe it wasn't the wisest thing, you know, but they thought it was funny. and If grandpa can't make them laugh, who can, you know? Just write me off as an old redneck. but. The, and the third thing is the principles that we build our life on. What are those principles, guys? You see, it's, it's possible to be born again and still hold fast to principles of that fallen man. You see, the devil doesn't care if you get born again. What he cares about is that you get transformed. That's the thing. He doesn't care if you get religious because that's just futility anyway. What he cares about is that you do not get transformed in your mind and in your soul. That you just hang on to Jesus as some kind of a, a, an add-on that you've put onto your life, you know. Yeah, instead of rewriting the entire operating system, he said, yeah, if you want to add Jesus, that's, that's fine. But, but don't give up on all of those things that you really love, right? He's not saying to you, Oh, replace all of those things that held you back. He's saying, yeah, add Jesus on if you want to. Take your family to church, but, but then, you know, live like the devil other than that. You know, that just doesn't fool anybody. Certainly doesn't fool our children. They see right through it. If we're not being genuine about our walk with Christ, they, they spot it a mile away, and then they don't take it serious in their own life. And none of us are perfect, guys. I don't know, I probably could write a book on the mistakes I made as a parent, you know? And I'm still making them as a grandparent. But they do get a charge out of it. (laughs) It's possible to be born again and still hold on to some of those principles. It's because of this possibility that many churches are lukewarm. It's true. It's because we're still holding on to some of that stuff we're content just to let the women do everything. You know, I'll just go fishing. I'll get the wife to take the kids to church on Sunday morning. How many of you have ever heard of a hockey player named Shane Doan? Yeah, of course, one of the best hockey players that ever played the game. One thing you'll hear from people today is that, that you'll never make the National Hockey League or any other professional sports if, if you don't make it to every single practice and do every single thing that they need you to do. You know, I know the Doan family personally. You know that he never went to a practice on Sunday morning when it was church time. He never played a hockey game when he should be in church. If they had to go on the road as a team, Shane went to church and then went and played hockey after. That was a conviction of that team. You know what he did when he got his first big NHL paycheck? He bought his dad a brand new Dodge Ram one ton for the, for the farm, for the ranch, and built him a new house. Why? Because his parents were just that valuable to him. Just that valuable to him. He went on to be one of the greatest hockey players. And the fact is he didn't give up his faith to do it. See, there's a way. But it takes conviction. It takes those principles. What are we building our life on? He would have rather never played in the National Hockey League than give up his faith. I know a young lady, she's actually, um, her her sister is like one of the top country artists. I just won't name them because we're on air, but um, it's one of the top country artists of all time. One of the record producers said to her one time, they said, You know what? You could be bigger than your sister. You have a better voice than your sister, you have a better stage presence than your sister. You have better people surrounding you than your sister. But you don't want to do it. And she said, why? And he said, because it will cost you your faith. It will cost you your faith to get that big. And so she's, she's recorded. She's done well. But she will not give up her faith. She will not give up her walk with God for all that fame and fortune. It's just not worth it in the end. You know... I believe our churches are weak oftentimes because the principles of the gospel are not firmly entrenched. We're not always firmly grounded in the truth. We pick and choose oftentimes which principles to live by, you know, by by whatever suits us oftentimes. And you just can't experience the fullness of godly blessing until you put on the fullness of godly principle. You're just not going to have his blessing without his principles. It's that simple. So there's two statements of fact I'll close on here. A, transformation means that you put off the old man in his former conduct, Ephesians 4.22. You put him off. You get rid of him. You can't inherit the blessing of God and live underneath the futility of the old man. It's not possible. The two are not compatible. It's like wearing plaid and stripes together. It's just not compatible, man. You just can't do it, right? It's like wearing black pants and a white T-shirt when you're forty pounds overweight. Just, <laughs> he just got this. He just got this incredible vision in his head, you know. One of our pastors, <laughs> one of our pastors said one time. He said, "He said, yeah, yeah. There's just certain people shouldn't wear white T-shirts." <laughs> Because their their business was selling white T shirts and and it was a lot of portly aged men were were buying them and he was just like man I don't know if we have our, should have our product on that thing you know <laughs> and B transformation means that you put on the new man created according to God put on that new man guys Ephesians four twenty four. So this will change the source of principles that you're able to draw from. We get into the truth. We get into God's word. You know, John the Baptist found out who he was in God's word, right? They said, who are you? Are you the prophet? He said, no. Are you the Messiah? He said, no. He said, well, who are you then? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight a path for the Lord. You see, we can all claim that. We're not all going to be John the Baptist but there's truth in what he is saying. We can take a look at the life of King David and say, man, he wasn't perfect, but boy, he had some principles in his life. And we can grab onto those principles, amen? So who are you? Do you know who you are today? Do you know who you are today? That's the key. Do we know who we are today? And we need to be honest with ourselves if we're gonna answer this question. Who are we today? How we answer this question determines where we are in the process of transformation. So if you're here today, you don't know Jesus. Because I don't know everybody. That's, that's a sense. You probably see me on the screen once in a while, but I don't know everybody. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then we would love to give you that opportunity to do so. So if that's you today, why don't we just bow our heads, guys? If you're here today, you don't know Jesus, but you want to, and you would say, Pastor Morris, will you pray with me? And just slip up your hand, and I'll do that. Is there anybody today? All right. Well, and Father, we just thank you for each and every person here today. And I pray, Father, that we would be students of your word, that we would dive into it, Father, and that we would find out who we are in you. Father, we would commit our lives to to digging into this word and finding out what you have for us, that we would walk to a new destiny and leave that old man in the grave where you want him to be and walk in the newness of the resurrected life that you have provided for us. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Matthew,